going on, guys? It's Chris Star back at Wildlife Command Center. And this time I got Michael Baran, better known yeah. as Bear Hands Baran. Finally got him on. It's taking some time, but on my end, but we're rocking and rolling. Yep. And we seem to have everything worked out perfectly for an exceptional podcast. That's the plan. So you were just saying before we jumped on about this zombie project you're working on? Oh, yeah. So, man, I'm going to tell you, you're going to love this, Chris. I love the zombie genre. Like, I can't get enough of zombie movies. I mean, even cheesy zombie movies. I love them. You know, like (laughs) Zombie Nation and Mm -hmm. some of these other crazy outtakes on what's going to happen. So, we just finished filming a short it all took place up on that hill behind the office in the headquarters. Really? We shot the whole thing over there. And get this. We shot the whole movie on the iPhone 13 with the new cinematographic iPhone 13 editing software. And mm. I mean, it is amazing. Like, I could not believe. Like, we had some professional cameras out there. And When we started early in the morning, the professional cameras, the ISO, even though they had it cranked up to like 25,000 or down to 25,000, they couldn't see anything. But man, that iPhone 13 was looking beautiful, I mean, and perfect. And so we've got this short film that really is the stepping stone, the prepping stone for a new division for Wildlife Command Center. It's going to be called Wildlife Command Center. Resurrection. What? Yes. <laughs> the sequel. Wildlife Command Center 2, Electric Boogaloo. So no, no, we're gonna we we're <laughs> gonna have a complete separate playlist on YouTube and we're gonna have the Wildlife Command Center Zombie Hunters because here's the premise. Okay, so in our zombie short, which the zombie short is called Zombie Resurrection. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm a badass zombie hunter. And I mean, it's mm-hmm. it looks good. And then we, I get this message over the uh, communication system that there has been a newly infected really close. And so I go out to hunt it down. Well, this newly infected was really newly infected. And so she was like bouncing all over the place. She said she was a wildcat. And mm. there is a serum. And the serum will reverse the zombie virus as long as they've only been turned within 24 hours and they haven't sustained any type of normal human mortal wounds okay so like they don't have a severed arm they don't Mm -hmm. have decapitated crushed skull or any of that kind of stuff so if they're pretty normal then we can inject them with a serum and it will reverse them or Hmm. as the zombie hunter if i get bit or if I get infected. Oh, nice. You can just shoot yourself like an EpiPen. I can shoot myself like an EpiPen. So anyway, I'm not going to spoil the whole short for you, but That's there's not some a bad premise. There's some craziness that goes on. But here's my idea for Wildlife Command Center Resurrection Division. Okay. Cause that's what we're going to call it Wildlife Command Center Resurrection. <laughs> I had a good idea. Resurrection. All the employees who have left get turned into zombies. <laughs> oh, wait. No, we wouldn't do that. We love we love all of our employees that have been through and trained with us. But look, I get know. this. So, the federal government has collapsed. Municipal governments have collapsed. And, Sounds like a plan. And everything has been in chaos because there was this, this infectious virus. 
that went through. And I mean, it just took out a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. but society has re- rebuilt, regained, but everything is a skeleton. And just like now for our business, Wildlife Command Center, the government can't help people with the raccoons in their house. They can't help people with the skunks in their porch like they used to in Mm -hmm. the old days, you know? And so, because the government can't help anymore, the government does nothing for these zombies. Like, there are zombie hunting parties. There are Mm. good old boy rednecks out there killing zombies. And then, of course, Mm. there are city zombie gangs that their primary thing is to kill zombies and they take whatever valuables might be on them. They try Mm -hmm. to figure out where the zombies came from. They take whatever they can. So nobody can help you except Wildlife Command Center Resurrection. If you have a loved one that has been recently turned, you can call Wildlife Command Center Resurrection. We will come out for a small charge and we will track that zombie down. We will capture it, mostly barehanded, and we will inject it and turn that zombie, and then we'll bring your loved one home to you as a human. Dude, you should involve Dub. What you should do, like, while you're filming, so drag a rabbit, right? Yeah. And get him on a leash, you know, and get him doing his ball. Like, he can help us track track the zombies down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, exactly. So what we were thinking about doing is you've watched the the new and improved Wildlife Command Center YouTube videos, right? Yes. We are going to do the Wildlife Command Center Resurrection videos the same way. Like we're going to do we're not going to overproduce this thing. We're going to do the videos the same way. Basically, we're going to get a call in. Somebody's got a loved one. Their eight-year-old child fell in an empty swimming pool, turned, and we're going to go in there and we're going to capture that freshly turned zombie. And we are going to administer the resurrection serum. And then mm-hmm. we are going to return that loved one to their house. Dude, this is a great premise. The other thing is, too, you know how sometimes people just call us and they're like, hey, I got this raccoon that's been wreaking havoc in my yard. Mm-hmm. People will call us because there's a zombie in their backyard and they can't use their backyard. Okay. You know? So somebody's got to go in there. Hmm. Now, these older zombies are going to have to be euthanized. Of course, yeah. You know, euthanization is just part of this industry. Mm-hmm. And you've got to figure out a way to humanely euthanize the zombies. Now, there's a couple of ways that you can do it, but we're probably going to use uh, blunt force or 22 to the brain. Mm-hmm. Two very, Quick. very easy, humane ways, and they are authorized by the Division of Veterinary Medicine. <laughs> Zombie medicine. <laughs> so, so we're going to maintain that same premise. But anyway, it's going to be great. It's going to take that concept of brand entertainment to the next level. Who came up with this premise? Because I love it. Straight up. Dude, it was all me. Well, this is a great, this is one of your best ideas. Like, I can see this going the distance. These shorts becoming decently large on YouTube because this is great. And so, and here's the great part about it is I have got a lot of talent in the St. Louis area. Like, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of actors in the St. Louis area. And since we're not going to be doing any dialogue, you know, this is going to be all action-based. 
I mean, yeah. you might have me doing some dialogue like I do now where I just come off the cuff and I just a little here and there say what I'm going to say. But we got a special effects makeup artist came in from Las Vegas. She did the special effects makeup on me whenever I was doing that movie, when I played the Bigfoot, when I was in the 21-inch stilts and I was in a suit that made me look like I weighed 2,100 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, she flew in and she did the makeup for this. And then she taught a local makeup artist how to apply some of this stuff and how to make a pretty good zombie. And it's not the over the top, completely decayed, decapitated or. Now, these are re- pretty fresh ones, right? These are pretty fresh ones. Yeah. You can tell they're zombies because they've got some zombie swelling, you know, mm-hmm. disfigurement, discoloration starting to happen, you know, some veins popping out, some craziness going on. So, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm loving it. And we can shoot these shorts in a very short amount of time. Like, we can shoot a 15-minute short in about three hours. You know? Nice. You know how many crazy wildlife situations we find animals getting into every day many. for us? Yes. You know? I mean, I'm thinking about some of the crazy stuff. You know, like that green anaconda down in Lafayette, Louisiana, Or that pigeon that fell into the hot, boiling crucible of molten steel over at Granite City and caused all of those crazy problems for that steel mill. And they hired us to come in and remove all the pigeons. Mm -hmm. I mean, who would have thought that a pigeon falling into a big vat of molten steel would create that kind of problem? You know, and then I was thinking about that one that Brett Crow did in our office in Little Rock, Arkansas, where there was this big, huge, they're building a nuclear reactor. And so mm-hmm. they poured all the concrete for the way down in the ground core, scrambling the reactor rods area. Mm-hmm. And two skunks fell in the bottom of that. Of course they did. Yeah. It's like a six foot drop. And then there's this perfect circle in the concrete, and there's no way in or out of it. You know, Brett had to get a ladder, crawl down in there with two skunks, and then figure out Hmm. how to get them out. And then it's like 32 feet back up to the top to get up to the surface. They fell 32 feet? No. They crawled in and down and around ladders, Mm. or they were put down in some type of a crate, or something happened. They didn't fall that far. They did fall the six Mm. feet. Okay. But all of the craziness that happens with animals, the same type of craziness is going to happen with these zombies. You know? We're going to be coming up with some crazy zombie scenarios that parallel what happens with us every day with these crazy animal stories. And I'm probably just going to use the same playbook. Uh, seriously, what I'm thinking is a really, really finished out attic and someone's zombie kid. So yes. like you guys can maneuver around the attic, right? And you'd be like, I hear it up there. And I, you're like, Rah! I also <laughs> thought about this. Remember that one time we had the bobcat on the back porch? Yes. So here's, I thought about this. What if somebody turns and they're on the other side on that glassed-in black porch, but they're really going at the door? Like, you can't just open the door and go go mm-hmm. out and deal with it because, like, they're, like, right there. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So the way we would handle something like that is we would use a a bait and decoy. Like somebody put a ladder up on the other side of the porch and start tapping on the glass and draw, draw the zombie over there while the other person goes in the door and comes in and grabs them. them. Yeah. I think that's going to be a great idea, man. That's so, this is exciting. I love, I freaking love this idea. And usually I'm not, super enthusiastic about all your zombie stuff you know i'm like only slightly enthusiastic but you really really like the zombies but this is a genius idea we have unlimited stories to funnel into this i mean we can tell stories about anything because we have done so much in the past 10 years you know Mm -hmm. i mean everything from beavers in the craziest of places to even the mundane mold jobs, you know. Remember that golf course we did in Shreveport, Louisiana, where we were out on that golf course and we would catch three or four or five moles every single day, mm-hmm. you know. I do remember that. Driving those golf courts around early in the morning, steam still coming off the greens, you know. Oh, my gosh. Now, and now you just put zombies in there. Right He's on the ninth. Yes, yes. <laughs> the members of the country club are all pissed off because there's a zombie on the ninth hole, and they can't play through. You Amazing. know, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be great, man. Oh well, on my side of town, I'm gonna. My church has a little, not really Halloween, you know, because we don't truly celebrate Halloween, so to speak. But <clears throat> they have a little, you know, costume get together. Mostly for the kids, right? But I'm going to be Steve Irwin and bring out one of my snakes. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love that. I hope. Do you think any kids know who that is, though? Like, oh, yeah. Do they still rerun Steve, like Crocodile Hunter on Animal Planet? Okay. Yeah, they do. I mean, you know, the little B kids may not know, but mm-hmm. anybody that's probably in teenager, 12, 13, 14, they'll know. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, Steve's kid, he's really bringing it. I mean, I've yeah. been really impressed. I've seen him on a few talk shows. I've listened to him on a couple of podcasts. He's young, you know, mm-hmm. so there's that. But, I mean, I really feel like he's doing a great job. If he can keep it together, if whoever's managing him can keep him on track and mm-hmm. not let the trauma of it all overtake him, I think he's going to be incredible because he's got that voice. He's got that enthusiasm. He's got that passion, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks like him. So oh, yeah, looks exactly like him. I mean, he's like a little version of him. So, I mean, I hope somebody's managing him well because he is he's a great kid. He's very bright, you know. I, I think he's going to do really well. Yeah, I hope so too because him and his sister are like the heirs to the throne, you know what I mean? Oh, I know. The biggest shoes to fill, like the biggest name oh, yeah. in wildlife conservation almost ever. It's got to be tough trying to fill those shoes. But, you know, if somebody can soften that and pad that and and -hmm. keep encouraging them and let them know that no matter what they do, they're doing a good job, I think think they'll be fine, you know. I wouldn't want to try to do it. Mm -mm. Nope. (laughs) But you're not – well, I mean, you are a manager, but you could do it, but you don't want to. I get what you mean. Yeah, I got got my own pair of shoes that I'm designing and putting together. Yeah, that's right, dude. Speaking of which, I'm excited for the young prince to come and ascend the throne. Oh yeah, yeah, man, me too. Okay. Because we've got so many, so many things happening. You know, mm-hmm. so much potential growth right now. We actually, in the history of the company, have never been two weeks out 
scheduling inspections. In St. Louis, we are so busy, we are two weeks out scheduling inspections just because we just have so much business. You know, all of the things that I've been doing that some people go, why is he doing that? (laughs) All of those things that I have been doing have really been building exponentially. And we are getting phone calls that's just word of mouth and people that hear about us from the show, Bare Hands Rescue, go watch it on Mm -hmm. Discovery Plus now. It's really good right now. But, you know, doing the Renaissance Fair, doing the animal birthday parties, doing all of the pop-ups that we do. And I'm putting a lot of effort into doing more of those pop-ups. Those pop-ups, man, are great. And you know what I'm talking about? Where we Mm -hmm. just, we drive the YouTube car to the corner of um, somewhere downtown St. Louis. Oh, and you just show up with animals? We just show up with animals. You know, you, me, and Savannah and Tyler did it one time. And we just had people all over, you know. And Mm -hmm. these little pop-ups, we got a nice little banner, put a little donation box up, and uh, we just hang out. Bunch of flyers, some birds, some snakes. But man, people just show up. You just start hanging out with a couple of owls and uh, a couple (laughs) of big snakes, and it's great, man. I mean, okay, so to the layperson, that just sounds so absurd. But to us, it's like, all right, grab Grab the barn now, grab Boba Fett, let's get out there, you know, grab Goldie, grab a boa, yeah. get in the Kia Soul and head on over. <laughs> and head on over, you know. And this year, going into the spring, we're going to be a little bit more detailed about where mm-hmm. we're going to go. We're actually going to pull permits that will allow us to put up a little small pop-up tent. Permits? Yeah, so in St. Louis, if you're on the street and you're a street vendor— which we would technically be considered. If you're drawing a crowd, basically, you need a a permit. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just the city getting their little $25 or whatever. They alert the police department so that if there's a crowd or if there's a lot of people showing up, that they everybody knows what's going on out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Two weeks out too, man, that's... Yeah, great. man, we... Uh, so... When I say two weeks out, you know, that's, we're anywhere from seven to 10 days, working days out right now. Like, for instance, right now, we're scheduling stuff out next week. And, you know, it's it's been crazy, you know. I, I mean, we still go do, like, if it's live animal removal or if it's dead animal removal or if it's a county dead deer removal. I mean, we're finding time to go do those you know like we're just scheduling that stuff in between everything else but for Mm -hmm. bat inspections for squirrel inspections for raccoon inspections we're having to schedule those out just because we're so packed with seal ups and attic clean outs you saw that attic clean out that bobby sold recently dude i know right and he did the bat seal up on that probably a month ago and that's an upsell yes dude that might yeah. be the biggest upsell of all time, like from an original, already thick sale. Yep. <laughs> it was pretty great. Holy smokes. But he was he was hustling mm-hmm. that, trying to push him and say, hey, look, you know, this this project's not complete. And, you know, if you watched the last video I put on YouTube, we're talking about evicting unwanted animals yep. from under the porch. You know, I talk about complete resolution from start to finish. And part of that resolution is cleaning out all the pheromones. 
you know? Yeah, because, dude, I'm dealing with that right now. A customer transfer that was, uh, you said, hey, call this guy. The pheromones, and very, very stinky pheromones in this case, the skunks, were on our fourth skunk catch in like a tiny situation, like little, you know, cookie cutter house, very small entry point where these skunks continue to get underneath the shed. And we started this account like six months ago, but every month or so, this little section to get underneath the shed gets dug up again. And what's happening is, so behind this place is a gigantic open field. Next to this guy's house is chickens, which means like chicken eggs, the smell of the chickens and possibly rats eating the chicken feed and, you know, nice lawns, which are bringing the skunks in and they're smelling, hey, oh, there was a skunk here at one point. They move in. Oh, no skunk here anymore. I'll live here. So it's that same situation. Like if it still smells like animal, more animals will be attracted to it. You're exactly right. And I'm going to say the name of a city. Let me see if I can mm-hmm. say it right. Mythalania, Texas. We pulled 21 skunks out from underneath one house. It was a communal female den. And these skunks had been living there for years. And so every year when the litter of skunks was born, the male skunks, when they reached age, they were all chased off. And all the females mm-hmm. were using the space underneath this house as a communal female den. And we ended up catching 21 skunks. And then we had to evict all the skunks, of course. But then we had to exclude the whole house. And we dug down 18 inches. And then we came out 8 inches. And we, we put a wire bar- a stainless steel wire barrier all the way around that house. And that was the only way. And part of the house was on a really, really short pier and beam. Like there was only like two mm-hmm. inches. And then a part of the house was underneath a slab. And then another part had like a faux basement underneath it. And man, these skunks mm-hmm. had the best place in the world to live. Except for the, the customer because the customer was smelling. Every time a male would get into that den of females, man. <laughs> They'd all light up. Yeah. And so it was pretty like a bomb. It was pretty horribly stinky. What the heck were these skunks eating that could support 21 individuals? Well, you know, so Mithilonia was right on the edge of the agricultural city. So there was farmland all, all the way around. This was a little subdivision that was built back in the 1950s. And so the Mm -hmm. homes were a lot older, but they didn't have to go too far to find agricultural land. And so, you know, that means that, that there's insects and there's bugs and there's the produce that's being grown and, and whatever and whatever and- crop they're growing. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like if it's soybeans or if it's corn, you know, skunks will pull those stalks down and eat the green. But also that area down there, remember those big, oh, huge black and red grasshoppers? I'm not yes. sure the species, Lubbers. but they're huge, man. They're like the biggest, the size of my thumb. But there's a lot of those down in that area, so they were eating a ton of ton of insects. Plus, skunks yeah. are great scavengers, man. They'll eat roadkill. They'll eat chickens. They'll eat fresh fish. They'll eat grasshoppers. They'll eat grubs. You know, so true scavengers, true omnivores in every every sense of the way. But yeah, if you don't if you don't get those pheromones out, you're going to have more skunks. So you've got to think 
of resolving wildlife from start to finish. And that means a clean mm-hmm. out with a disinfectant and a deodorizer. That's one of the reasons why we don't have very many repeat customers because we do, mm-hmm. we do think this way and we think about from start to finish what everything needs to be done so that you never have a wildlife issue again. You know, just like that video I posted where we actually filled the void underneath that concrete slab full of this closed cell polyurethane foam. And then we wired in the edges all the way around that porch that didn't have concrete already. And so now not only did we take the pheromones out the equation, but we put a hard barrier between them and where they had ever gotten before. It's going to work out pretty good. One of the biggest cleanouts I've ever seen, at least on paper. So we got the uh, NAFA meet coming up in a few weeks. When are you, Have you pulled uh, Jet down? Or are you flying any females this year? Jet's ready to go. So Banshee and Jet, both Harris Hawks. Banshee being a mm-hmm. third-year female Harris Hawk, Jet being a third-year male Harris Hawk. I'll be flying Jet this year. And then later on, I'll be flying Blackjack, which is George's son. We haven't pulled him out of the chamber yet. But Jet's a little bit small bird, too. He mm. flies at 550. What? That's awesome. Yeah, Jet's a little bitty bird. I can't remember exactly where we acquired Jet from. It was one of those things where, hey, I got this hawk, and you know, I need to just take take it off my hands, something of that nature. But anyway, yeah, Jet's ready to go, man. He's he's actually ready to hunt. The only reason we're not hunting yet is because one, it just got just started getting cool, cold, and Mm -hmm. two, we've been doing the Renaissance Fair for the past five weekends. And that consumes so much time and energy. Is it again this weekend? Yep. This is the last weekend. The last weekend of Renaissance Fair. And then the next weekend, I'm moving Chance to St. Louis. So we'll probably be good to go the 1st of November. I could turn him loose now because he's he's like instant to the glove on as much creance as you give him. Yeah, see if you can fly him a couple, once or three times a week. Just a little reminder, NAFA is a the week before Thanksgiving this year. So it's a little earlier than usual. Yeah. I'm not completely prepared for NAFA, but. Um, <laughs> I know we've got a lot on our plate right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably going to be one of those things where somebody's going to say, hey, you know, NAFA's next week. And I'm it's, like, oh yeah. It's going to be me. Well, practically it is what? Two weeks away? Three weeks away? It's literally three. Yeah. That's always a good time. Well, you're ahead of me as far as birds. Bird readiness. We're probably going to just drive in for the weekend and uh, stay the weekend and see old friends and and tell lies and then we'll probably head back out. Got a lot going on in November and December, you know, and January. I mean, between the show, Bare Hands Rescue, now streaming on Discovery Plus, and you definitely should go watch that. That is well entertaining and worth a watch. But I also have eight movies that are going to be premiering in December and January. Oh, all these freaking, yeah, all, all these projects finally coming to term? Finally, man. It's uh, it's taken eight. a while. Is the Tommyknockers coming? Yep. Tommyknockers is coming. Bloodthirst right. is coming. That's what I'm excited. Death Count. You know, Death Count's going to be really good because we have uh, Costa Meyer in that and you know he he really did well in his when he was doing the move the saw movies you know mm-hmm. and so death count is kind of playing off that same kind of 
theme that's just taking place in a prison, which is a little bit more scary because this is a, a light prison type situation where just about anybody that got thrown in jail for just about anything could end up there, you know? And then you got this maniac warden who's like, oh, yeah, you come down to the special cells. We're going to implant an explosive into your back of your neck. And if you don't do exactly what we say, we're going to blow your head off. And then we'll have a deep web black market video viewing of us making you do these horrible things to yourself. I'm excited for Tommy Knockers, man. I'm excited to see your role in that. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. One of the best things, though, is is as you watch the movie, you know, the whole premise is these Tommyknockers, these supernatural creatures that live down in the mines, they actually cause mines to collapse. They are wicked, man. I mean, one swipe of one of these things just cuts a human in three or four pieces. But luckily, I play <laughs> a badass bounty hunter that... Um, well, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but let's just say that Mm-mm. the Tommyknockers do not kill me. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, dude. And then what about that uh, forestry service? When's that one coming out? Oh, yeah. So that'll be out in uh, January. So that one's called Drone Down, where I am playing the Bigfoot, and it looks so good, <laughs> man. I'm going to tell you, I don't think anybody else could have pulled that off. I'm serious. I really, I don't think anybody else would have suffered that much. In the costume? In the costume and the physical, the grueling physical that I had to endure to make it happen, to get those scenes. So, you know, you got to imagine, I'm on 21-inch stilts. Then they wrap these thin sheets of foam around my legs and around my torso, and around my arms. So you're in a sauna. So it was four layers to be able to get me thick enough. So they wrapped me in foam. We put a muscle suit on. Then they wrapped the muscle suit, and then we put the Bigfoot suit on. So when you look at me, I feel like I weigh 2,100 pounds. (laughs) It looks that big. I saw a clip the other day where I'm chasing the main protagonist, I'm chasing her uphill through these big boulders. Now, I'm in 21-inch stilts running through boulders, and she looks like a tiny little girl with this big, huge Bigfoot on her tail. And finally, she, she crawls into this crevice. It's like a little cave with, where a boulder had fallen in front of a cave. And she crawled uh, into this yeah. crevice, and I couldn't get in there. And it looks really, really good. But, but you know, climbing in those stilts, running on uneven terrain. Mm-hmm. And then it was in, we filmed this thing in Las Vegas. So it was 110 degrees and I'm inside four layers, you know, so I'm sweating so profusely. Every day when they took that costume off of me, I mean, it was just drenched, like wet. But the other thing is, I had to grab her at one point, pick her up, throw her over my shoulder, and take off with her, carrying her. Oh, boy. Luckily, she only weighed 115 pounds. But Okay, that's good. But still, you don't realize how, how high up you are. Until you got to bend down. Until you got to bend down. 
and grab somebody <laughs> and then pick them up and throw them on it. And you know, we did that all yeah. in three takes. We did it in three takes. One time I picked her up and, and the center of gravity went over and I fell flat on my back with her. Because I told her, I said, look, I need you to jump a little bit when I grab you to pick you up. And she did. And she literally jumped all the way over my shoulder and over my back. And we all went backwards. I bet that was funny. It was funny. It was good times. Good times. But yeah, that's going to be a good one. The other reason that that one's going to be a good one is because Wildlife Command Center plays a huge part in that movie without ever saying Wildlife Command Center. But mm-hmm. all of the Ranger uniforms have Wildlife Command Center. We can't catch it on the back of them. They're embroidered almost just like our uniforms, except mm-hmm. the front of it says Ranger, Ranger Supervisor. And then the arms were our uniforms say Wildlife Removal Expert. We have mm-hmm. things like Animal Tracker, Ranger Tracker, some of these other titles, you know, like Drone Operator. And the emblem too, right? Talk about brand entertainment. Product you know? placement. Big time. Oh, yeah. And so not only do I play Bigfoot, but I also play the main ranger figurehead for the rangers. Like, I'm the big boss. And whenever they're in my office and they're trying to tell me this story about they saw a Bigfoot on the drone, that the forestry drone, I was just laughing. Mm-hmm. But... If you look right beside me, you'll see a bag of Wildlife Command Center coffee because Chief, Chief Lopez <laughs> loves his coffee. Where is the set? One of the national forests in Sierra, specifically the Red Rock area around Mount Charleston. And is that where the story is supposed to take place or is yeah. it like? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if you've ever been over there, but that whole area is full of these 30-foot white pine trees. You know, and that's the whole premise of this this thing is that the federal government no longer does fire watches. They've privatized it. And so this company flies these drones over the national forests every day and they're mm-hmm. just constantly looking for forest fires. That's a good premise. Yeah. And that's that's um not too far from the truth, you know. I mean, I don't wanna spoil it, but like did they see a Bigfoot and then the Bigfoot like threw a rock at the drone and drilled it? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Oh, that's a great idea. Yep. I love it. Well, first off, the two drone operators are very yin and yang. One of the operators mm-hmm. is very serious about, so drone operators always work in pairs. And one of the drone operators is very, very serious, very serious about what he's doing. The other drone operator is just a goofball, you know, the guy that always gets in trouble and Mm -hmm. all these kinds of things. And so he's like super bored because he's like, oh, there's a tree. Oh, there's a rock. Oh, there's another tree, you know. And then all of a sudden they, they zoom past this big black hairy thing walking through the woods. And they're like, take the drone back. Mm-hmm. And they're like checking it out. And the one's like, get down closer, get down closer. And the other one's like, no, we got to maintain our altitude. And then about that time, Bigfoot reaches down, <laughs> takes a big old rock and just hurls it up at him, knocks the drone out. Well, these are high-end drones. These are $35,000 yeah. drones. They go to the the supervisor and they're like, Hey, uh, we got one of our drones is down. And he's like, you goofballs. He's like get laying into him. He's like, you guys are going to go out there and you, on your own dime. You're going to find that drone, you know? So that's how the whole shenanigans starts. It's going to be good. Did they superimpose or are they editing sounds 
I'm sure they are. But like, did they have you make any like? So yeah, <laughs> so I did a lot of that. I actually did a lot of what they call ADR work, where you go into a studio and you watch parts of the video and you emulate the sound. Mm. One of the problems we had in the field was that no matter how well I tuned these stilts, they still made a metallic little sound. And so we had to do a lot of the sound in studio. And then we had to go out in the field just like we were not in costumes at all and run our lines so we could catch the audio. Oh, yeah, of the surrounding area. Yeah, and the surrounding environmental sounds. But they're going to add in a lot of stuff. They're mm-hmm. also going to do this one technique that is very, very interesting. So not only is there a Bigfoot, but there is a herd of Bigfoot. A herd? A herd. Bigfoots do run in herds? And I play every one of them. <laughs> so so they, had, uh, they had different facial parts that they would change mm-hmm. up the facial parts. And they use a really interesting camera technique to where they marked off my lines with these little bright green flags. And so when mm-hmm. I was playing the parts of the different Bigfoot, I had to stay within these flags so that when they superimposed it all over and layered it, I would never cross myself. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to mm-hmm. be it's going to look very very genuine. Oh man. Well, hey, I'm stoked for that. Let's wrap this puppy up. It's about time to start heading out for work for the both of us most likely. Oh yeah, man. I'll tell you what, I've so much to do today. But yeah, I appreciate being on the podcast. I'm going to let you wrap this up with all of our listeners. But man, this is going to be fun. I appreciate you making this happen. Appreciate you getting Mm -hmm. this done. And we're going to just have so many stories to tell our listeners over the next 10 years. That is the plan. Yeah, it's it's pretty rewarding. I mean, I know you know more than anybody. I was thinking about this last night, what you've done. You know, we hit we were part of that other wildlife company for what three or four years. I was in for like two years and you were in for like three or four years. But then, you know, from cause I was thinking like, what can one man accomplish in a decade? Well, what you've done in seven is pretty incredible, you know, from nothing moving uprooting our entire life of three people at the time to start a new business in a new city we'd never lived in to where we're at now. It's pretty incredible. And so having seen what just a little bit of effort can look like and, you know, all of six listeners so far, but still, it's pretty rewarding seeing that come to fruition. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, some of the stuff is just consistency, you know, making mm-hmm. sure that the, the viewers and the listeners know that they're going to get constant content. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a huge part of it. And I know that you've committed to this. You've been planning this for a long time, and now you're making it happen. So kudos, man. <laughs> kudos. About dang time. Yep. All righty, guys. Appreciate you listening. Thanks again, Michael, for jumping on. So I'll see you again next week. Let's do this again. Every week. Every week. Thanks, guys. All right. Y'all have a good day. God bless. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, a.k.a. Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus. Download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. 
It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.